Colossians 1, 13 through 20. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, where all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This morning we're continuing in our series in John chapter 17, the great high priestly prayer of Jesus. And, uh, you know, I may have mentioned this last Sunday, but this prayer also ends up kind of being a review of uh, what we've learned in the book of John. And the theme last time, uh, Jesus, the request Jesus made in his prayer was that the Father would glorify the Son. And this morning, actually, he's going to continue uh, along that same lines. He's, uh, he's going to say, Father, glorify me. And uh, we might think, well, that's the same request, but we're going to find, actually, that it's, that it's slightly different. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, you should follow along in your Bible in John chapter 17. And uh, we're going to uh, look at the first 10 verses. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me. For they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. Lord, bless the reading of his word. Last time we noticed that Jesus uh, was praying 
that God would glorify the Son. And we notice that that was primarily in, in reference to the hour that had come, which is the hour of his death. And the Son of God is glorified in his death. He's lifted up and draws all men to himself. He delivers eternal life to those the Father has given him uh, in his work on the cross. Uh, and then the, the most amazing thing we noticed, this is eternal life. The Son of God defines eternal life. And what we saw was the most important thing about it was not really how long it lasts, but it, although it lasts forever, but what it is, and what it is, is to know God in Christ. He says it like this, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And to know God is to walk in fellowship with God. The word know here is a word for a personal, intimate, knowing someone. You know, like if I said, I, I know George, I don't mean I know a lot of facts about George. I mean, he and I are acquainted. We have a relationship, a fellowship. And so eternal life is in relationship to God. Well, Jesus continues this theme, uh, and, you know, in verse 5, we have the second request in this prayer, and it sounds a lot like the first. He says, glorify me together with yourself. <laughs> well, that's a clue, together with yourself. Glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So we're going to take a look at this request, and it continues on into the all of those verses that we read. They're all sort of organized around that request, glorify me with the glory we had. Uh, so uh, we're going to see several things about this. So we're going to ask the question, glorify where? <laughs> and then we're going to see that Jesus deals with glorify how. How is... How is God going to glorify him? And then a major part of what we're going to talk about is why. What's the basis? What's Jesus' claim that justifies this request that the Father glorify him with this glory that they had? Uh, and so we're going to just proceed through the text and see these things. So first of all, we want to ask the question, where? Where is this glorification going to happen? Well, Jesus describes it. He says, glorify me with the glory which I had with you before the foundation, before the world was. Uh, well, that's interesting. The glory I had with you before the world was. Then we might notice before that, he says, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work which you've given me to do. Now you glorify me with this glory that we had before the world was. And uh, we might think, well, where is that? It's, it's uh, the, the, the shift, I glorified you, now you glorify me, is a shift in location of place. 
And uh, he says, well, glorify me how? With the glory we had together before the world was. You see, this is not about the death of Christ, something that happens on earth, something that's included in I glorified you on earth. This is about the ascension and the coronation or the seating of the Son of Man at the right hand, which will take place, of course, which will require a resurrection between the cross and the ascension and the coronation. Uh, So the location is in heaven. And, of course, Jesus in this whole conversation he's been having with the disciples has been talking about he's going to return to the Father. He's going back to the Father. And uh, now he's saying, Lord, glorify the Son in the work of the cross and glorify me in, with the glory we had before the world, before we started making the world. Uh, and so he's talking about that return. If we looked at John chapter 7, uh, we see Jesus say uh, this. This is John seven thirty-eight. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John comments on this and he says, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Spirit will be given following Jesus being glorified. Then in chapter 16, earlier in this same conversation in which we find this prayer, uh, in chapter 16, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, as in return to the Father, the Helper, the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So this whole glorification is something that happens when Jesus returns to the Father and sends the Spirit. Jesus is glorified in his ascension and his sitting down at the right hand, his coronation as Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, at the right hand of the Father, and then in sending the Spirit. And that is how Jesus is to be glorified, envisioned in this prayer, with the glory we had before the world was. Now let's think of that in the Eternity past, before God created anything, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the the three-person God, the triune God, had glory in their fellowship with one another. Uh, And it's an interesting thing to think about what glory is. Well, glory isn't just greatness. Uh, uh, God can't become greater, but God can be glorified. How is God glorified? Well, glory is greatness observed and appreciated and praised and returned and reflected. And so in the ancient of days, in the time before time when only God was the three-person God 
There's a fellowship, a relationship in that triune God. And there's glory in greatness seen and appreciated and reflected among the persons of God, the Trinity itself. And so uh, glory, Jesus is saying, now is the time for me to return. Now what's interesting is in this instance, it will be a man now participating in that glory, the risen human being, the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal son who was born, who was crucified, who was raised, who has ascended, and who is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And now a man, a human being, one of us, is in that position of the glory we had before the world was. You see, you can't have glory alone. Glory requires a fellowship, uh, more than one person. Glory is greatness recognized, greatness appreciated, greatness gained and reflected. Uh, And so one person all by himself can be great, but another person is required to bring glory. Well, uh, I've gotten a little sidetracked by that, but that's how Jesus is to be glorified. He's going to be raised. He's going to ascend. He's going to be seated at the right hand. And he's going to enjoy that face-to-face fellowship with the Father that they had before the world was. Now, Jesus gives a reason for this. He's saying, here's... he." glorify me with that glory. But before he asked for that, he he gave a basis for his request. He said, this is, this is why this request should be granted. And we sort of skipped over that. But let's go back now. What's the basis of Jesus' request, glorify me with the glory we had before the world was? Well, it's in verse 4. I glorified you on earth. So it's kind of like this. He's saying, I glorified you. Now you glorify me. The time has come. I glorified you. Well, how how did the Lord Jesus glorify the Father? He He says this, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So the Father sent the Son, that's a repeated theme throughout the book of John, He sent the Son for a purpose, for to accomplish this work. And now Jesus is saying, Father, glorify me, bring me back, having completed, having accomplished the work you sent me to do. Now, at this moment, when he says this, he hasn't yet accomplished everything. He hasn't uh, died. He hasn't been raised. But he's saying... I glorified you, having accomplished the work, you glorify me. So uh, that's his basis for this request. Now, this reminds me of things we read back in, in chapter 10, when Jesus says, I've accomplished the work, and we want to think about well, what is the work. And he's going to go on in beginning in verse 
6 and describe what he has done. What is the work? Uh, Back in chapter 10, Jesus said this, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. There's that concept of fellowship reflected. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the work. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And he's referring to uh, us Gentiles that were not in the nation of Israel. But uh, there's, there's another fold. He says, I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. That's important. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me. <laughs> I, I remember when we studied this, we stopped and noticed this is a, there's a reason the Father loves the Son. Because I lay down my life and I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay, down, lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it in, take it up again. This mandate I have received from my Father. That's the assignment from God. And he's talking here about his death and resurrection to bring eternal life to his sheep and to bring all of his sheep together in one fold with one shepherd. Well, here in, in chapter 17, in the prayer, Jesus describes this same work. He describes it like this. So he says, I glorified you on earth by completing the work which you gave me to do. Well, here's the work. He says, I have manifested or revealed your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. So the first thing is, He's manifested or revealed the name of God to those the Father gave him out of the world. He says, they were yours and you gave them to me. (laughs) This is all in verse 6. They were yours and you gave them to me and I have manifested your name. Now remember, at the beginning of this talk, what what did Philip ask? Can't you just show us the Father? And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's manifested the name of God to those who were given to him by God. Well, he goes on. So that's the first thing. I revealed your name to those you gave me out of the world. And then uh, he says, uh, now... I'm sorry, I got to find it here. It's in verse 8. The words which you gave me, the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And it's interesting here because when he says, I've given the words you gave me, I've given to them. Well, it's the same people, those who were given to the Son by the Father, the son recognizes them. And that's what he said in chapter 10, right? I know my own. I've recognized them. And I have given them 
what you have given me, the words you given, you've given me. And that word words here, it's interesting because it's not the word logos, it's the word rhema, and it can mean just things. The things you've given me, I gave to them. Whatever you gave me to give them, I've given them. Uh, and so he knows his sheep and he's given them the things the Father gave him. <laughs> so that's the second thing. So first he revealed the name of God. He revealed God to those God had given him. And then he gave them the words or the things that the Father had given him. And then what was the response? That's important too. And I skipped over some of that in verse 6. They have kept your word. Now, this is really interesting because he says, I've given them your wor- the words or the things, the rhema that uh, you gave me to give them. I've given it to them. But then he says, they have kept your word. And that's a singular word, one word, not words, but word. And this is the word logos. Well, This should, of course, remind us of chapter one. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word, the Word, singular in the book of John, is uh, nearly always a reference to Jesus himself, the Son of God, made flesh. And so, uh, you know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who was? The Word was. All things were made through him. Uh, and then he says, uh, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world did not recognize him, did not know him. He came to his own people, his own nation, and his own nation did not receive him. But to everyone who did receive him, Well, that reminds me of, they have kept your word. Those you gave me, I gave them your words, your things, and they have kept your word, singular. The word John wrote in chapter 1, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus says they've kept your word, well, this is, a, this is the other side of that expression. I know them and they know me. They have kept, uh, that's in the perfect tense, they got it, they took hold of it, they have it. Have what? The Son himself, the Word made flesh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, they have kept your word. Now, he goes on here to describe what that means. Well, first he says, they've come to know that everything you've given me is from you. So these things which he's received from the Father and delivered to those who know him, those who are given to him by the Father, Those things, uh, they've come to know 
that the that God is is actually the source of those things. They've received the things again. The same word, uh, Rama. They've received the things given by the Father to the Son, and they recognize that this is coming from God through the Lord Jesus. What are those things? Well, that's things we read in in chapter one. His fullness, his grace upon grace, his grace and truth. And uh, we've noticed also in chapter one, uh, as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, back in chapter six, there was a li- there's a little conversation that happens between Jesus and the disciples. Uh, and it's after Jesus was talking about how he had come from the Father. And uh, in chapter 6, verse 66, we read this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words. Again, it's plural, and it's the word rhema. You have the things, the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the Christ, the Messiah. So, Jesus says, they've kept your word. They've taken me. They've received me. And they know that I came from you. And he just says that again. They've truly understood that the Son came from the Father. And then finally, the last thing he says about the disciples keeping your word is is this. They believed that you sent me. Well, this reminds me of chapter five, right? As many, (laughs) whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. The whole issue throughout the book of John is, do we believe that that Jesus comes from God? And so he says about these that were given him, that have kept your word, this is the thing. They believed that you sent me. They trust themselves to this reality that Jesus is the one sent by God. So then he says, they're yours. What's mine is yours. Well, this is like you gave them to me. I give them to you. That's interesting, isn't it? They're yours. You've given them to me. They were yours. You gave them to me. They're yours. What's mine is yours, he says, and what's yours is mine. Jesus walks in perfect fellowship with God the Father. And then the last thing he says about the response of the disciples, they've kept your word, he says, I have been glorified in them. And remember, glory is greatness, recognized, reflected, appreciated, praised. And so their recognition of the true identity of Jesus is glorifying to Jesus. To recognize him as the eternal son of God, 
sent by God to give eternal life to those whom God has given to him, glorifies Jesus. When we recognize Jesus' true identity, we glorify Jesus. We see, appreciate, and believe in his greatness. So uh, this is the basis upon which Jesus prays this prayer. I've completed the work you gave me to do. Now glorify me. And then he says something really interesting. He says, I ask on their behalf. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus is asking the Father to glorify him with the glory they had before the world was. And he's asking that for the sake of the disciples. That is very interesting. Now he says, I'm not asking on behalf of the world. This isn't for everyone. (laughs) I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those you have given me. You see, the glorification of the Son in the resurrection, in the ascension, and his coronation is for the benefit of those the Father has given to the Son. I need this. I need the Father to answer this prayer from Jesus. Glorify me with the glory we had together before the world was. The glorification of the Son by the Father with the glory they had in their fellowship before creation. I need that. I need that. Why? Why do I need that? Well, Jesus has really already answered that question when he said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, eternal life is knowing God in Christ by the Spirit, Our fellowship with God, our life, our eternal life is wrapped up in their fellowship with one another in this glory of the Son returning to the Father seated at the right hand. My fellowship with the Father in the Son is in their fellowship. And we're going to learn a lot more about this as we go through chapter 17. You see, Jesus, the man, the incarnate Son of God, the Son is the revelation of the Father, like we could read in, in John 1.18, where it says, No one has ever seen God, the only begotten who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. How do I know God? By knowing Christ. Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father. That'll be sufficient. And Jesus says, I am showing you the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen him. How do I know God in Christ? And how do I recognize Christ? You know, these disciples, they kept the word 
of the Father. The word of the Father is the Son. How did they do that? Why did they do that and other people don't? Well, it's very simple. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. How do I recognize the face of God in the face of Jesus? Well, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Just at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we read this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the just as from the Lord, the Spirit. He goes on in chapter 4. He says, we have, uh, sorry, um, God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. How how does he do this? The Spirit of God relieves my blindness so that I see the face of God in the face of Christ. And that is the work of Christ. That is the work because eternal life is knowing God in Christ by the Spirit. And that is why Jesus can pray this prayer, glorify me on our behalf. Why is he praying, Father, glorify me? He's praying it for us so that when we know him, we know God. So this glorification of the Son of God, we've now noticed it happens in two phases, I suppose you could say. In his death, in his death, he's glorified and he gives us access to the Father. And then in his resurrection, his ascension, his uh, coronation, his seating at the right hand of God on high and his sending of the Spirit that enables us to recognize him uh, so that when we're called, we come and we're his sheep and we hear his voice and we follow him. All of that is the ministry of the Spirit in our lives. We receive eternal life in just that way. And Jesus is glorified in us. That's so great. That's what he says about the disciples. I have been glorified in them. How? By their recognition of him and their trust in him. Wow. (laughs) The glory of God in Christ is amazing. And there's a list of things for us here to keep the word, to keep Christ, to get a hold of Christ. We recognize he's the son of God. We recognize his death for our sake, his resurrection his ascension, his 
place at the right hand of God, even today where he intercedes for us, we recognize all of these things and put our faith in these things. They believed the Father sent the Son. I'm so glad that uh, Jesus is glorified and Jesus, the man, one of us, is there before God. You know, when we call this the high priestly prayer, uh, you know, Jesus represents God to us and he represents us to God. And because I am in Christ, I also, according to Ephesians, am right there at the right hand of God in Christ. I have been raised from the dead. I've been given eternal life and I have access to the very throne of God the Father in Christ. This is great news. This is true gospel. I hope you know these things, that you have also seen uh, the glory of God in the face of Christ. I pray that you will put your faith in him. You know, as long as I put my faith in him, I need to put my faith in him. I find that's what I need on a daily basis to recognize who Jesus is and trust myself to him. Father, we give you thanks for all these things that you give us in Christ. Thank you for the great, glorious Savior. Thank you for the the answer to this prayer that was so clearly yes. And so he was raised and so he ascended and so he is now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high where he ever lives, the scripture says, to intercede for us. Lord, thank you. We pray that we would live our lives in consciousness and faith in all of these things. We pray in Jesus' name and by the Spirit. Amen.